Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Motorsport Magazine, for the very best in motor racing. Welcome, everybody. Welcome once again to the Motorsport Magazine podcast on an absolutely beautiful summer morning in London town. And I should tell you that uh, we're just across the River Thames from the Battersea Heliport. And uh, it's Wimbledon fortnight, of course, so there are lots of tennis players going in and out of here by helicopter they being almost as rich as Formula One drivers, I guess. Anyway, so if you hear lots of helicopters, that's what it's all about. Uh, with us on the podcast today is Karun Chandok, a broadcaster in his own right, so we're all on our best behaviour. He is, of course, also the reserve driver for the Team Lotus Formula One team, and we'll be talking to him about that and many other things during the next hour or so. Before we... Uh, uh, get going properly though I need to tell you about the latest Motorsport magazine subscription offer and it is that you will get 15 issues for the price of 12 which looks to me like three free ones so it's a good offer 15 issues for the price of 12 and this is available wherever you are in the world and we have listeners as we know all over the world so in the UK that's 46 pounds in the USA, it's $75, and everywhere else in the world, it's £64. And for 15 issues of Motorsport Magazine, that's pretty good. So just go to our website, motorsportmagazine.co.uk, and click on the link to our homepage. And I'll remind you of those details at the end of the podcast. So, Karun, good morning. Morning. Well, actually, it's nearly the afternoon. Yeah, I do apologise for being late. It <laughs> took me it took me an hour to come from Heathrow to here, so uh, it was a little bit longer than yes. planned. Yes, well, there's too many people who have cars, don't they? Okay. Um, I'd like to really just get the ball rolling by asking you how it feels to stand in the pit lane at a Grand Prix next to the... Lotus, but you can't drive it. It's not the best feeling in the world, um, obviously, but that's why I sort of wait in the motorhome. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's not brilliant. I mean, it's uh, to be to be a you know having raced before in the past and and then to be sort of out of it is it's not obviously a great feeling. But at the end of the day, you have to look at the big picture. Um, you know, we had some options ahead of us this year uh, to race and to be test driver in a variety of teams. And having thought about it, you look over the winter and think, well, if, yes, you've got to look at it in the long term. Yep. It's not about just getting back in it to do a couple of races anymore. It's about what's the best thing for a sort of sustainable future in Formula One. And uh, Tony presented a very good um, case in terms of the long term future for me. Um, and. So, yeah, I mean, you've got to look at the big picture sometimes. That's Tony yeah. Fernandez. Yes. I was going to say, Karen, it must be even worse when 
it's a morning when you actually are going to get in the car, and then you just do a couple of laps and... 200 metres, actually. <laughs> was it, was it, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, that. we did the installation lap, and unfortunately we had a gearbox problem right, at the end of the pit right. lane, but, I mean, what can I say, you know, I mean, you've, you've been around long enough, you, you've seen cars, um, it's just something, something's going wrong, but it's okay, I mean, I'm in the car again in Silverstone, I'm in the car uh, for quite a few more this mm. weekend, so... Mm. It'll just be, it's frustrating because you want to get mileage under your belt. Mm, uh, you know, course. I've done one timed lap in three Fridays so far, which uh, is pretty uh, unfortunate is, mm. is the word. Um, but yeah, we keep, we keep going. Is, is, mm. it, it must be slightly difficult for you because if you're not getting the mileage, yeah. when, it, when it comes to your turn, as it were, mm. are you going to be... No, I mean, that, that is, it is a genuine problem, and I think it's something that we've raised uh, in the GPDA, and I think Pedro's been very vocal about it, and we and people like Bruno Senna and myself and, and Nico Hulkenberg and stuff, we've all backed him up. You know, it is a genuine issue now with the lack of testing. Yes, of course, the teams, it benefits and the cost-saving. There's no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, Pedro's case in, in Canada was a clear illustration that, you know, the drivers do need to be prepared to jump sure. in. Absolutely. Uh, you know, neither Bruno nor myself have done much. Bruno's done one day pre-season at Jerez, but that was, again, unscheduled. It was only because of Robert's accident at, uh, at Renault. Um, Nico's had a bit more mileage, so it's a bit different. But, um, you know, we, we've almost think there's a case there to have say four or five days not a lot maybe three or four days in season testing but allocated for for reserve our young drivers as they do at the end of the year um you know maybe two and two or something like that two for reserve drivers two for young drivers Mm -hmm. a team like toro rosso who's got ricciardo who qualifies as both good luck to him he can do all four (laughs) days but you know it's there's i think there is a case there for that yeah yeah, and the yeah. Uh, on, in the lift on the way up to the office this morning, you were talking about doing some straight line testing next week. Mm. Such is the life of the test driver, I guess. So just tell us what's, what what life is like doing a, a day of straight line testing. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> I won't lie. Uh, no, I mean it, it is. It's in, it's for the driver. Obviously, it's not a great challenge because you're driving up and down in a straight line. Uh, for the engineers, it's massively important because mm. the lack of testing. Um, you know, it, it is still. It is a hugely important program, especially now with uh, the uh, the new technical directive TD22 coming out, the engine mapping. Um, it's going to be really important for us to to redo the aero maps um, in time for Silverstone um, and in time for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So, it's yeah, straight line testing from an engineering point of view is still very important. <coughs> um, but for for us, you just you know you're pedaling up and down in a straight line isn't a great challenge. I got I got to say, Karun. I will admire you forever for going out in the HRT at the Bahrain Grand Prix in 2010. Because watching those proceedings, I really, <laughs> I almost feared for you, actually. And that, that was a really character-building job, wasn't it? Uh, that's one word for it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, again, it's, uh, you know, I always say to people, as, as I said before, with the, when you asked about being a reserve driver as opposed to racing, you know, in life you get dealt a set of cards. Nobody's holding a gun to my head to be a racing driver. Nobody's holding a gun to my head to get in uh, an HRT and stay in the qualifying or to be a reserve driver. Uh, you make choices. Um, these are the cards I've been dealt with. Uh, you either play them or you fold it and walk away. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, I you know, it's it wasn't ideal again. But was, was there a moment when you when, when you wish you had folded and walked away? No, you just get on with it. I mean, at that, the end of the day, you at the end of the day, you're still you're still on the grid for Grand Prix. Yeah, you know, yeah. and how many people in the world can say they've done yeah. that? Yeah, So it's still yeah it was interesting but I think I earned a lot of respect for doing that um, so you know there were more people who sort of appreciated the fact that I said well let's just still go to qualifying it wasn't even qualifying you know I, I actually and the team internally as well you know I went up to them and said look there's no point putting quality load of fuel in it let's get a fat load of fuel let's get so I can do some mileage let's you know do, do installation laps and let's just do do a program as if it's free practice one um, and they were quite surprised because they thought, you know, I would be straight in there saying, oh, let's have option tires, 20 kilos of fuel and, and get on with it. But, you know, you have to be quite um, methodical sometimes and, and take one step back to move two forward. I mean, can you describe those early laps in the HRT at the beginning of 2010? Because they weren't, um, it wasn't when, it wasn't racing, it was just driving, just to be honest nothing was set up because the car hadn't been tested um, so literally we were just we were just it was just data collection for the there was no diff maps put in there were no engine braking maps put in there was no nothing you know so the, even to calibrate the sensors hadn't been done we hadn't done the car in a straight line um, they had some info from Bruno from the other car but it doesn't really translate sometimes so <coughs> Yeah, those you know, it was just driving around. Really, it was just data collection. Mm -hmm. Well, having now driven for two of the so-called new teams, you've got a great perspective on uh, their position in Formula One. From what you've seen, and from the way the regulations are written at the moment, can these new teams really make their way up the grid? It all depends on, you know. I think it's no secret that it a lot depends on how much budget you've got. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to to be a test driver of Red Bull Racing uh, in 2007 and, and eight, and a part of the Young Driver program. So, you know, I've seen how a big team operates. Um, I know enough people in enough other big teams to see how they operate. Um, and as you said, now I've seen two of the the smaller teams. Um, a lot of it has to do with the amount of money you've got, and therefore the amount of people you can hire. You know, if you've got if you got the budget uh, and the resource to base yourself in walking, you've suddenly got, you know, access to more people uh, from sure. from that area. If you sure. got if you got funding to be based in the middle of Sheffield or Norfolk um, or Barcelona, you've got access to less people because you've got less, you know. So it is, the, you know, I mean, to be fair to Lotus, Tony's committed. You know, the sa our salary scales are higher than a lot of teams in Oxfordshire or Northamptonshire where I live. Um, because you have to entice people to come there, so he, Tony's understood that. Mm. But it's you know it's 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 a long process to build up a team. It's not going to happen overnight. Mm. And in terms of even resources of building infrastructure within the team, you know even Williams, you know Williams have got amazing infrastructure, two wind tunnels, and you look mm. at what they have at the factory, and you know they're struggling to get into Q3. Absolutely. Mm. So it's you you have to keep perspective in terms of what we can spend versus what you know the teams uh, you know in terms of if you take it's not just one year you know the budget is say you've got 60 or 70 million for a year um, you know these other teams have used a portion of that to build infrastructure for the future whereas we've only had to do that for two years so <coughs> there's a lot of things you've got to factor in when you when you really gauge a team and their potential but are you are you saying in a way Karun that, that um, I mean last year the the, the gap between the the established teams and the new teams was a 
a chasm, wasn't it? It was colossal, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it has closed this year, um, but perhaps n not as much as some people expected. Do you, I mean, how long do you think it's... It, Logically, um, and and well, it's, it might you know take every team's every team's making changes. Yeah. If you look at it, um, you know, not, for example, Marseille, we've got Mark Smith in. We've got um, you know we're building up the aero department uh, as we speak all the time. So again, I think the it, it's the, it's a rate of diminishing return almost, isn't it? You know, the progress yeah. we make every year is going to be less and less. Yeah, because it gets harder. Um, but again, I think you look at the start of last year, the delta between, say, a team in Q2 to Lotus was two seconds. This year, the start of the year was half a second. Yeah. It sort of crept back up because, again, <laughs> they've got the ability to keep chucking bits at it and yep, resources yep. to come <coughs> put bits at it. But, you know, we're making progress all the time. I'm starting the simulator program next month, for example. Um, mm -hmm. So... You know, I'm sort of there now for the next six months. I'm going to be in charge of building the, the car model and developing the simulator model, which, right. um, with a lack of testing, I think <laughs> is, is, is a good way for teams to simulate. And, yeah. and, to, and I know certainly Force India, for example, they used it to great effect over the last two years. And mm -hmm. they've made, you look from where Spiker was to where they are, they've yes, made yes, very yes, respectable, yeah. credible progress. Yeah, yeah. You know, they qualify Q3 even this weekend. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that we need to build up, and, and we are doing it. but. If your question is, do you think, do I think we'll be in Q2 genuinely in a in a dry, normal circumstances qualifying this year? The answer is no. Do I think it could happen next year? Who knows? You know, how long is a piece of string? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Karin, can I ask you something very specific about about the Lotus this year? Because mm. Jano Trilli's been talking a lot about how he finds the power steering system very difficult. He he, he doesn't feel he, it's not sensitive enough for him. Can you explain to us? what he's talking about because I think a, l a lot of people including me don't quite understand what, what um, are, are, you, are you aware of it Karun can yes. you see what he's talking about because there is there is Hakey seems quite okay with it uh, no it's not the, the system we, we had at the start of the season we had issues with it uh, and you know we've, we've made changes we've had bits we had new bits in Turkey which helped a bit we had new bits in Valencia this weekend which again helped a bit um, and I think Hakey's come to a point where it's it's become an acceptable thing for him. Um, different drivers have different feel. Um, it, you know, Jano's still less happy with it, and it is a problem. It is you know, there's no nobody's denied that it's a problem. No, it's no, it's no. something that we have to uh, to make progress with. Um, but when you but say in term, in term, yeah, I mean, it's again different drivers. You know, require different things from the car, and you know, I think. Uh, I mean, again, in the limited time I've had in the car, again, I can feel that we we do need to make progress in terms of changes. I, I don't want to go into too much detail, but okay. there are things that need to happen to give the drivers just a bit more feel and feedback in the in the right way to feel the car. Um, but yeah, again, I mean, people back at the factory they're plugging away at it, but it it comes down to a question of again, it's back to the question of resource and 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 time and people, yeah. you know. How many engineers do you spend on on that versus yeah. doing an aero package yeah. for this year versus for for the next few races versus a low downforce package for Monza versus starting work on the 2011 car? Yeah, and it's all about allocation of resources. And you yeah. know, I think that's that's something that Mike Gascoigne and Mark Smith um, and Riyad Asmada, CEO, you know, they they sit down with with the shareholders and say, look, this is how we need to allocate the resources we mm -hmm. believe to make progress for this year and. <coughs> 
for the next race in six races of the next season so uh, as drivers you're a little bit hands off on that because yeah, sure. you you almost just drive what you're given sure. um, you know you can help to steer direction but when it comes to allocating time and people and money it's sort of out of your hands and mm. I suppose the, the other point about it is that you, you can't really completely redevelop something but in a fortnight between two races no, of course not you know it's not it's not going to happen but we have ideas and you know that there's sometimes small things can make big differences and sometimes but consequently uh, or reverse I should say um, <coughs> big things can make no difference mm. <laughs> so yeah, 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 sure. it's a bit of trial and error I think but it's a lack of testing again we can't, yeah. you know we should unfortunately we, we're, we're just testing all this on a Friday which we're changing bits of the steering rack on a Friday session which you wouldn't have done five no, years no, no, ago no, no, so no. you know again it all comes back to I think having an argument for limited testing during mm. the season because it does it does have a knock-on effect. If we could spend one full day quietly testing, it's, you know, I thought I always thought the mid-season Silverstone test was a was a great idea because yeah, a lot true. of the teams are based here. Yeah. You used to get the fans in because I mean I live in Brackley, yeah. five minutes yeah. away. Yeah. I used to work at Silverstone yeah. during the test when I worked yeah. at the race school. I used to drive a minivan driving guests around the hospitality <laughs> uh, and parking at corners and talking yeah. about the tests and stuff. And I, we used to have 13, 14,000 people and, yeah. you know, the tests were more open, yeah, people sure. could come up and have, if you can't afford to go to the British Grand Prix, it's a chance for them to see Formula 1 cars yeah. that yeah. year. And sure. I, I thought the three-season, three-day yeah. test was, yeah. was quite a good yeah. idea, actually. And, <laughs> yeah. It know. was brilliant for the fans. Yeah, yeah it was. It was fantastic for the fans. Now, speaking yeah. of Silverstone, we're about to head off to the British Grand Prix. Um, we've also got the, the new circuit, which we had last year, new pit and paddock complex. What, what do you make of Silverstone these days? Uh, Silverstone's a classic, you know, I think it's so important to have it on the calendar. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very proud to be a member of the PRDC. I think I'm the only Indian member uh, of the club and um, I think they've done a great job, you know, just sort of reinventing the image of the circuit. Um, uh, it, it will be strange to go to Silverstone and not have Cops Corner as the first corner, though. I think that's a bit, absolutely. you know, I think you're, you're a purist absolutely. as well. That's going to be yeah, weird, yeah, yeah. isn't no, it? No, it's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. my, my memory of my... The first two races I ever saw as a child were the 87 Mexican Grand Prix and the 87 British Grand Prix mm -hmm. on video chess. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and to me, it was always, you know, Murray Walker shouting, is Alan Cross leading you to Cops Corner? And yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that, that, that was it. So that's going to be a bit weird. <laughs> um, but, you know, as a driver circuit, as a layout, it's still, it's still a great challenge. I thought the additions last year kept, kept the sort of, you know, essence of Silverstone, high-speed corners. And, and the, the irony of it is that the, those the changes, were in fact, were once they, when they thought they'd lost Formula One. I mean, they were they were mm. they were done for MotoGP, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, I suppose so. so. Um, yeah, but did they really think they'd lost Formula One? <laughs> well, <laughs> are we going to go? I, into I this? think there was. <laughs> anyway, a, I th yeah, I mean, I think maybe there was a period of time when they, you know, were period mm. of time, I and mean, that's what you know Damon always mm. says that, doesn't he? Yeah. You know? There was a, a maybe it wasn't yeah, that. I mean, long, I, I don't know the details of it, I but th I uh, think you know once they found out a bit more about Donington, <coughs> they probably began to get a bit more you know but the, optimistic. But yeah, well, the, the, <laughs> new, the new first corner though, I mean, that's it's it's uh, pretty quick, isn't it? So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, well, when you're on a driving lap, I think the top cars are flat through there anyway, in, mm. in qualifying at least. Yeah. And it, even even for us last year, it was top gear, just a small lift in the HRT. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's. It, but it's quite a short run. I haven't, mm. you know, measured it, it or anything. Yeah. But the it's quite a short run to the mm. first corner. Mm. So I, I wonder if they'll sort of filter through quite quickly. Yeah. Um, Do you think they might back themselves all up into the slower bits further up the track? Well, 
they will do. I mean, aren't they? Because of, mm. you know, turn, yeah. mm. I suppose now it would be turn three and four is going to be <laughs> right, yes, right that's, there. That's true. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm very intrigued about you watching the 87 races in Mexico and Silverstone on VHS. Can you uh, tell us a bit well, about Well, I mean, Formula uh, One was never televised in India till yeah. 1993. Yeah. Um, but my father, my grandfather used to race. He was the founder yeah. of the Federation, the ASN in India, the FMSCI, right. yeah, yeah, uh, of yeah. which my father is now the president. Yeah. Uh, my dad's been racing since the 70s right. in India uh, and Sri Lanka at the time. Um, but they never had a chance to race internationally. Yeah. Um, and back in the day, it was just open racing, no regulations, bring yeah. what you want. They had, yeah. literally was called an open class. Yeah. Right. And my father raced uh, an ex-Chevron, uh, Elio De Angelis Formula 2 car. Oh, right. really? Um, wow. But he was in the same race alongside Jim Crawford, who yeah. was sponsored by Vijay Malia. Yeah. Uh, and Vijay himself had an old, he had an Ensign MN08. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they're all in the same race, yeah. racing yeah. against yeah. each other. Yeah. Uh, and Crawford, I think, was in an Atlantic car or something at the time. <laughs> so yeah, I grew up a race circuit, I grew up around race cars, but you know, F1 was never televised. Um, I think my dad was one of probably a handful of subscribers of Autosport. So I, I grew up reading Nigel's column. Um, and... Uh, uh, you know, back in the day. So, yeah, I grew up in a motorsport household and we had a friend of mine, Martin Stone, who was a co-owner of Carlin Motorsport now and, and it's actually not anymore, but Martin used to record the races because he used to bring the cars out and, and bring the mechanics to run the car for my dad and, and Jim Crawford and stuff. And he would um, record the races here on the BBC and send it to me in the Fantastic. post right. to watch right. it. So right. I would watch the races. I mean, Autosport that time in the post used to come about four weeks late. I was going to say how long it took, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the tapes would be about six weeks late. <laughs> but that was my catching up. Uh, that's how I'd catch up. And then uh, th they started televising it in 1993. And obviously by then it was live. Um, right. So, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I've, got, I've got the season review of every F1 from 1980 till, till today uh, and watch it. You know, so it's that's the memory comes up. It's actually fantastic because you 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 know more about the history of this sport than a, a uh, lot I of know. a it's, lot it's of you know so-called. I think it's important though. I think it's wrong. I mean, it's amazing how people say this to me all the time, and I never really thought about it because it's just what I do. I mean, I I is, I feel very fortunate to be in a business and and do a job, if you like, that I'm in love with. It's a fantastic sport. I think mm. you need to embrace the history. I think there's so much to learn. I mean, I, 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 people see me on flights, you know, you know what it's like when you go to a race, you see the whole paddock on the plane and they find it amazing that I'm sitting there reading a book about Formula One. They're like, what do you mean a racing paddock <laughs> reads? That's just bizarre. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is, uh, I find it bizarre that people think that's rare. Well, I mean, you know, I've seen you at Mario Kart's shop in the, you know, in the, yeah. in the Monza paddock. I ain't seen any other racing drivers oh they? I think it's fantastic I mean I go to Brands Hatch for the Formula 3 race just to go to the bookstore <laughs> <laughs> you know. but but I mean you must be aware I mean you've been around the F1 circles mm. long enough now to realise well now I do yeah other, but two, two years ago when people were saying these things uh, oddly enough actually I mean I mean Narain is also um, interested in the in the history of racing um, he's not a reader though I can assure you <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I always re remember when he was, when he was driving for Jordan um, Jordan, was he trying yes. to? Yeah. Yes, he 2005. Yeah, yeah, that's, was it 05? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And at Spa, he said to us, uh, Morris and, uh, and Alan and I, he said, um, if, I, if my wife and I make you a curry, will you tell me about Jochen Rind? 
<laughs> and I was absolutely <laughs> floored by that. <laughs> well, I mean, it was, you know, I love Indian food. I was only yeah. too happy for it, and it was an extremely good curry. But it was just fascinated me that a racing driver was asking me about yeah. somebody, well, somebody from 35, 40 years ago. Well, I actually recommended your book, Chasing the Title, to somebody last How week. <laughs> because uh, I'm not, my sort of era of interest starts, I, to be honest, in the 80s. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. But I said to somebody, I don't really read things from the past, but that was the only book which I've read. And I thought, because there's a bit chapter oh. on Clark and chapter in the 70s, and so, I thought, it doesn't go into too much detail, you know, which... which out of an era which I'm not no, connected it, with, no. but I thought it was, it's just enough for me to get insight into people from that era. Yeah. And it, somebody, um, it was actually the PR officer at one of the other teams said, she's uh, started to read a few more books about the history of sport. And I said, right, I tell you, this is one you want to read, definitely. So. Oh, well, thank you. That's well, very, very nice of you. Nigel Roebuck's I'm, enjoying this podcast. <laughs> is, it, is it still in print? Or? <laughs> I think no, I have to buy it on eBay. It's not in print. Oh, <laughs> I wish I'd known. <laughs> but you, you, you must be immensely proud of what you've achieved, because... Talking about racing in India, I mean, I went to the Madras Grand Prix in 20 years ago. What year was that? And I got 1990 or 91. Okay. And I got to say that look, watching the locals in action, I never imagined. I think my dad drove that year, actually, as well. Okay, well, I'll be very be careful ca what you say yeah. here. <laughs> I am known for being careful. He's very diplomatic. No, I, I just. Could, you know, it, it didn't occur to me at the time that you know we'd see Indian <laughs> racing drivers in Grand Prix racing. I yeah. mean, uh, I mean, let, I mean, it's. It, I think it's uh, um, extremely different. I think, as you you rightly say, when you see it, it you can't imagine it. Yeah. Because people find it amazing that I've never done a go kart race in my life. Yes. Um, this year is the first time I've actually owned a go kart since <laughs> I was six years old. My dad bought me a kart for my sixth birthday, but we had nowhere to drive it, and we used to run a garage. And I used to give my dad, my grandfather, heart attacks because he'd come out of his office and I would have got the mechanics to park all the customers' cars in a way to make a circuit inside the garage in the car park. And I'd be driving between all the customers' cars and I think only once I dented probably a, a wheel rim, I think. But otherwise I was quite, you know, just close to the edge where you... Well, you're not clipping them. Um, and I give him, you know, he, he still says he's got a heart problem from that. <laughs> Fairly uh, solid runoff, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when you're young and stupid, you don't realise, do you? Um, but this year, just to keep sharp, I bought myself a, a Rotax card, which I keep at a circuit, you know, Wilton Mill, 20 minutes from my house. And I'm in there two, three days a week just driving to keep sharp because, again, with the lack of testing, uh, and it's actually really good. I mean, I'm you know you do two three hours in a cart. Physically, it's quite hard work. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, my, I'd, I've had a ten day break and my ribs are getting a bit sore. But um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, coming from a background where you have no karting. I think yeah. it's a huge disadvantage. Mm. And then you start racing. You know, I was sixteen because that's at the time that was the age you could get a license from the local ASN. Uh, again, the level in Asia and India yeah. at the time and even now is is a long way behind Europe. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so when you come to Europe, it is a massive shock to the system. Yeah. But yeah, do you yeah. ever pinch yourself? You know, I mean, here you are, you know, in the Lotus, in the pit lane at the Grand. It's fantastic, isn't it? I mean, I don't need to pinch myself. I've had enough sleepless nights getting here, so <laughs> I, 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 I know every but step of the way the, 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 the painfulness. Uh, but when, when you see, say, Pastor Maldonado hmm. racing the Williams, and we know that he, you know, he brought money to the team, that's why he's in the team. I'm not saying he's not a good driver, okay, I'm, but that was the reason. You know, are you? Does that frustrate you? I mean, could you? Would you be in a position to do that or not? 
No, I mean, the, at the end of the day, it's part of our sport. Um, you know, you ask Eddie Jordan today, he talks plenty of times about Michael's race in 1991 at Spa. You ask him why Michael was in the car. Mm, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's always been a part of our sport. And, sure. you know, I think the other frustrating me is good luck to Pastor, you know. I, I, I never wish ill upon anybody. It's, you know, he's, he's fortunate to be in that position. And good luck to him, really. Mm. I, th- I thought Eddie just was a great visionary who spotted amazing talent. Well, he wasn't that much of a visionary because otherwise <laughs> Michael would have been in the car for more than one race. <laughs> 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 Absolutely, yes. Yeah. You're off to Goodwood this weekend for the Festival of Speed, mm. so I assume you're, you're driving the, the last, Lotus. Yeah, last year's Lotus. Um, I was meant to drive something from the 80s, uh, oh, which yeah. I drove Keke Rosberg's 82 Williams last year, and mm. it was just... It's fantastic. Um, I mean, I love Goodwood. I think the Festival of Speed, I'm, I'm not old enough, I think, to appreciate the revival, but the Festival of Speed is, uh, is magic. Yeah. Last, again, uh, I think as we've established, I'm a proper old school fan. It was funny, last year I was literally in the paddock on my hands and knees crawling around this, uh, this old Williams, I think. <coughs> and I had my head in the football, I was looking down at the pedal box and so on. And all of a sudden I felt it was all a bit getting a bit weird and this, this, uh, this odd feeling. And I turned around, there's all these fans that just collected around me, looking at me, <laughs> waiting with pictures to sign. And they just thought, who's this weirdo racing driver? And I was on my knees, you know, crawling around this car. It was just, um, but I, I am a proper old school. I, I thought it was just... Magic. I stood there, and at one point there was there was Jackie Stewart, Emerson Fittipaldi, I think Richard Petty was there, Jochen Mass. You know, all these people stood in a circle, and me. And I was just. Uh, that's when I did almost pinch myself. It's moments like those where you think this is just you know, yeah. magic. Mm. Well, I bet you'd love to get yourself in a proper turbo. F1 I car. was meant to drive a yeah. car, a proper turbo car, this year, but for for reasons, uh, for a long story, basically, we're not. Um, when uh, when the, was it the eighty two car you drove, yeah. Williams? Because when uh, Nico Rosberg mm. drove that car, mm. he I mean he just loved it. I loved it, yeah. But he, he but he he said afterwards, you know, such a big part of me wishes we were still racing cars like this now. Um, uh, well, I, I don't know. I so quite like my legs, and I have a feeling. Well, of course, of <laughs> if course. You cars like that, a lot of us won't have them. Well, I mean, that was. Did you, was that the overriding thing you got? Because whenever I see no, a car now from that era, I think, Jesus, you know, they were sitting between the yeah. front wheels. There's two and, th- and on the petrol tank. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, there's two things that stood out. One for me was uh, how pure it was in the way that today everything is controlled electronically yeah. all these gizmos and all these engine mapping and all the you know everything is just and I thought that was just brilliant we couldn't get the car started on the first morning and literally a bloke gets there and he's pumping fuel on the car <laughs> to get it started <laughs> and he's p- pulling the pedal on the throttle it's yeah. just cable throttle yeah. Yeah. I thought that was just uh, fantastic yeah. yeah the safety side is one thing but also you know it's just it was really interesting because Patrick Head came down and we were talking about the car, and I just thought it was really interesting to speak to somebody who literally designed and or knew about every single nut mm. and bolt mm. on it. Mm. Uh, and I said to him, I said, I couldn't believe the gearbox was something that's designed 30 years ago. You know, I never missed a shift in two days of driving it. Mm. I think it's amazing for the, the lack of technology and lack of design engineering and simulation he must have had mm. to design something so fantastic yeah. you know it's yeah. you know i've driven formula 3 cars recently where the gearbox doesn't feel as good on a manual gearbox and mm-hmm. i thought things like that were just amazing you know mm-hmm. and that's probably why williams were who they were at that time yeah 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 well, they were yeah. always always have 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Been known for the quality of their engineering, haven't they? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, uh, you know, my favorite car of all time is uh, the 1993 Williams. Right. I thought, uh, to look at, it's just a beautiful car, and I thought yeah. it had so much technology, <coughs> but also... You know, if you look at the steering wheel, it, it didn't have all the knobs yeah. and buttons we have today. It's still pure and yeah, sound Um And I was very fortunate. I finally got to sit down and meet and have dinner with Alan Prost at Monaco this year uh, and ask him all the questions that I wanted to ask him over the years because he's my all-time hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, so somebody, a common friend of ours from Tag Heuer organized it. And it was really nice because I thought... It's going to be this massive PR thing, and actually, it ended up just being four of us around the table and chatting away. He's a lovely bloke, isn't he? Fantastic. And people always say, "Oh, don't meet your heroes," but I'm I'm glad I did. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was nice to hear what he thought about the car and, and things like that. But it, yeah. you're you're the perfect guest at the Goodwood Festival of Speed, aren't you? Because you appreciate how important it is to speak to and spend time with and sign pictures for your fans. Which is yeah, what, which is what that event is really all about, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's wrong. You know, I saw I won't name names, but I saw so many F1 drivers last year rock up there and just sit in their trucks or their motorhomes. Yeah. And yeah. It's just wrong. Don't go. You know, don't then don't show up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. It's it's, you know, what else? You know, what else have you got to do? Sit in your iPad, sitting in your truck. What's the point? You know, you got to go there. It's, <laughs> it's a chance. Again, like I said, I'm a fan of the sport and. You know, at Montreal, for example, this year, um, another journalist, Will Buxton, organized a day where he just invited all the fans to come up and have a beer with him at a pub. And he called me and he said, look, you know, would you come and meet the fans? And he said, I know it's not a thing that, it's not the done thing, but would you come? And I said, yeah, well, you know, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, I had the chance in Monaco to sit with my hero yeah. or, or a driver that I admired sure, sure. and ask all yeah, the questions right, yeah. about the 88 McLaren yeah. and the 1990 Ferrari and what he thought of this <laughs> and what he thought of that. And... All the questions that I've always wanted to ask somebody, and I, you know, so I said, yeah. So I went down there and I, I stayed for for the evening, and you know, is you know, these fans, they, especially in a, a continent like America where we need to promote Formula One more, yeah. same as Asia, it, it's important to go out there and, and yeah, yeah, sort of sure. mix with them. You know, sure. Are you are you prepared for the reception you may receive in Delhi? <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's. It's, it's part of it uh, I mean I'm looking forward to it a home Grand Prix will be very special but let's wait and see and, um, what it's like when we get there what do you think it's going to be like how, how, how's the circuit coming in on? what respect um, in terms of is, are, are they going to be ready do you think yes yeah, that, there's, that there's no doubt yeah, yeah. and um, will there be a big crowd I hope so yeah. um, you know A the 
the num the ticket prices that they're talking about are com very competitive. I think they will be affordable. Right. I think and, and also because it, uh, it you know it is a business, and I think from yeah. a revenue point of view, don't forget it's not a government project. You know, no, apart no, from no, apart that. from Silverstone, yeah. this <coughs> I think is that it. I think that's it it's makes it the only other mm -hmm. private circuit on the calendar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there is a revenue angle from it. And I think the the numbers they come up with are very competitive. You know, there is interest in the sport, and you know, I'm I'm at the site at least once a month, and and you know, we work. I'm a brand ambassador for the Grand Prix, and I'm, you know, we work really hard to try and mm -hmm. uh, promote it and to pull people in. So, yeah, I think I, I I'm confident it won't be a Turkey or a China no, or no, a Bahrain no, situation no, exactly. in terms of crowds. Yeah, yeah, surely, surely you've got to be in the car that weekend, haven't you? It's not a question for me. <laughs> I, know. I know, but you know what I'm getting at. I mean, well, I, I would have thought Mr. E would have had a word with, uh, with Tony about. Oh, you've got both their phone numbers. I'll leave you to call them. <laughs> what was the reaction um, in India over this whole October the 30th date and the Bahrain Grand Prix? To be honest, it makes no real difference to us because there's no precedent. Hmm. You know, for, for example, a race like Monaco, everybody knows it's at the end of May. Um, everybody knows Melbourne's at the start of the year. Everyone knows Silverstone's in July. For us, there is no precedent. There is no, you know, tradition. So we could be anywhere, really. Mm. Um, but it must be frustrated for the the organisers when they're you know they've got this date. The deadline is you know to to get the race. Uh, you yeah, know. but if the date's later, then it, it, it gives them more time, so. does it? So no. I, 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 to be honest, I think it's a bigger issue for 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 Bahrain and it's a bigger issue for mm. or it was a bigger issue for the teams and, and Bahrain. Mm. For mm. us. It's, Mm. You know, this, we were fairly flexible. Mm. And the circuit mm. itself, as a, as a driver's circuit, what do you reckon? When I saw the the, the layout on, on the pictures, and when I saw the map, and when I first went there and drove it on dirt, I thought, okay, it's it's not bad. It's it wasn't. I thought, well, it's, you know, it, it it's it's okay. But then when I drove it on, when the tarmac was down and the asphalt was down, I was the first person they called me up there to drive it, <coughs> and I drove the boss of the circuit around and. Right. I was I was actually really really happy because when you start to drive it, it's actually a really really good circuit. They've done a couple of very innovative things, which is recommended by Charlie and, and actually Michael and some of the drivers from the overtaking mm -hmm. uh, angle. Um, they've got three corners where the circuit width is 21 meters, which is <laughs> double the width of any normal circuit. Uh, and actually, turn three straight off the start is one of those, and then you come onto a straight which is 1.2 kilometers long. You're going to have cars, you can have yeah, six yeah. wide yeah. going into turn four, which is again 21 meters wide. Be like the at old the end Monza. Of one well, do you remember the, did you ever see a, uh, on TV a, a race of the, the Cleveland uh, IndyCar race? Yes, yeah. the, the, lake, the airport circuit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because exactly, that was the yeah. same thing. It was hugely well, that's wide. What You've got these like. amazing mm -hmm. variety of lines. Exactly. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I think it's, so I think for the drivers, even on your own, it's going to be really interesting because you have exactly, as you said, yeah, a variety yeah. of lines. To race with the DRS this year, you know, you'll have mm. the long straight into a massively wide overtaking yeah. zone. Yeah. I think for the fans, you'll see great overtaking. They've done a great job of doing elevation changes, which, again, I didn't appreciate till I drove it on asphalt. And actually, pretty much every corner is a blind apex, so, so the drivers enjoy that. Um, and they've done a, a, what they call the parabolica, uh, which is a double apex right-hander. It's going to be like Turkey turn eight, so to speak, so right. quick, but goes right instead of left. Um, and banked as well, so it's got oh, it's got some banking right, right. and a massive grandstand around it. So right. uh, I've told all my family to buy tickets for that one because mm. if you want to see a Formula One car in anger, 
that's yeah. that's a place yeah. to watch. Yeah. You know? yeah. I tell you what, I really want to go now. What were you driving around in? Was just it in a, a road car? Oh, another but a quick road car or? I uh, can't really remember what. Yeah, it was no. reasonably okay. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, um, uh, you know, I'll I'll go back in in the August break and I'll I think we'll try and get one of the local single seaters or something right. just for me to yeah. to yeah. have a look and give them more feedback on bumps and things like yeah. that because yeah. that's important to iron things out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. New teams coming. Uh, sorry, new circuits. Mm. Teams coming to new circuits. How much information do they get prior to the Grand Prix weekend? I mean, uh, the FIA, I think, provide. I'm not entirely sure, but I think the FIA provide a map, a track map, mm. which uh, gives you the topography and the, the angles of the corners and things like that. Sure. But without a team yeah. actually having been there, you can't create a simulator model for it yet. But I think they can with the FIA map. And yeah, yeah I, think they, I think they, for instance, did that with Korea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm, I pretty, think, I think they I'm did. pretty confident you can. But you haven't driven it on the, on the simulator yet or anything like that? No, but as a driver, I mean, any good driver shouldn't take more than eight laps, eight to ten laps to learn a circuit. I know, I that always amazes me. Mm. Yeah, I think, you, yeah, I think within five laps you should be within 80%. <coughs> and within, if you've done your homework, you've got to do your homework. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Get, make your notes ready, watch the videos, get, all, get fully prepared for it, walk the track, make, you know, again, just get your visualization, sure. get prepared for it. But I think five laps you get within 75, 80%, and then within the next five <coughs> lap run you should be, you should be there. Right. I mean, the circuits like Monaco, I think, are different because there's tricks to it. But I'm, I'm talking like a conventional circuit. Really. Mm, mm, mm. One thing that I just cannot get my head round, Karun, is the amount of work that is going on in the cockpit of a 2011 Grand Prix car. I still can't imagine how you drive it at the speed you drive it and do the DRS and yeah. the brake balance and all the other things yeah, and I, this, I mean can you just try and explain to me you need to be a certain sort of person yeah i think well, i mean at lotus it's a bit different because we haven't got curves at the moment no, but no, i think right, the workload with curves is just it, it's a lot and it's i think a lot of drivers talked about at the beginning of the year it being too much mm-hmm. and the reply came oh well you know back in the day you had this and you had that but i think the difference with curves what people need to understand is it means that you're taking your eye off the road which yeah yeah because you know you have to watch the dashboard to see the you know the recharge and the discharge values and the yeah. numbers and how much you're discharging mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. and again with the DRS okay the DRS you're looking at the st- you're not looking at the steering wheel you're just pressing the button but it, it you know there's a lot of stuff on the steering wheel that you're mm-hmm. constantly adjusting which I think the workload is if anything, I'd say, you know, people complain about um, the F-duck last year saying they're taking yeah, the hand off yeah. the wheel. But at least you're still looking at the road. That's you're not true. looking at the steering wheel. And I think curse, if anything, is more of a problem in terms of driver workload than, than, the, DR, uh, than the F-duck was last year. But do but you agree with, I mean, uh, when, um, when Alonso first started testing this year hmm. with, with, with curse and playing with the DRS for the first time as well, what he said he objected to was he said there are all these things a driver has to you've got to press this and press mm. and he said and absolutely none of them have anything to do with skill. Uh, well, he's right. Wasn't uh, he? And, no, and but I mean, but he and that he said that you know that. No, it's it not sort entirely. Of, it right. sort of saddens me that. Uh, well, you know, let me review that. Quite, you simply press a button and it does something. Uh, well, I review that answer when I said he's right. I mean, I think he's right to an extent in terms of it's there's no skill involved in pressing a button. But I think there's still a skill involved in knowing when to press the button. Sure. You know, for example, I mean, you watch an onboard of Sebastian Vettel 
and I think that's just it is impressive to see how early he opens the DRS mm. and that's just confidence mm. you know even compared to, to Mark who is, yeah, is yeah. a very good qualifier yeah, and a very yeah, good driver yeah. mm. you know you look at Turkey turn 8 and how much earlier Seb had the, the DRS open yeah. mm. you know yeah. every few meters it adds up to lap time so I think yeah. there is skill involved in that still mm -hmm. but it's it's different and yeah I mean I think I think coming back to what Nico Rosberg for example said to you I, I would agree. I think if we could get rid of... It has to be uniform for everybody. Yes. Because if you can't, you know, so there's no advantage or disadvantage. But I, I would agree if you had a more... I think the cars from the, the 19, early 1990s era, the late 80s mm -hmm. era, um, where you, got a, you have got electronics with the active ride yep. and yep. things like that. But it's not so much, you know, in terms of driver's control. You still no, have no, to no. set... It's part of the car setup process. Which is fine sure. because F1 is about technology and it's yeah. about mm. things, but it's not stuff that the drivers are constantly doing. No, no. You know, I think I think something from that era is is probably something that's that's about right. I, think. right. I, I wonder how much of this, you know, is an advantage for say. I mean, it's interesting what you say about Vettel, um, because in a way, the the, the younger you are, the more natural all this is I mean possibly I mean if you talk to yeah. some of the old guys and ask them you know would they like to or could they drive these cars almost all of them say no um, so yeah but they don't know do they because they haven't driven them no so. they don't Karen but I mean the amount of technology is I didn't I don't think you could take much more than there is now I don't think you'd want to have <laughs> much more as, as a, like I said the, the workload is, is sort of borderline um, but again, you look at you. Let's look at the flip side of it. Has it made F1 more exciting this year? Yes, it has. Yeah. I think we're having, a, you know, Valencia side. I think we've had a fantastic season of racing. Yeah. If you look at the headline results, you'd say, "Oh, Vettel's won all these races." But if you look beyond it, every race has been has been fantastic. Mm -hmm. yes, I think yes, with, the, with the tires and with the DRS, and mm -hmm. you know, I'm not sure Kurz adds to racing because all of them press the button together and they all go together. <laughs> but I think. I think the racing in Formula One this year has been absolutely amazing. No, I agree. I agree. You uh, should I mean, see a lot of overtaking at Silverstone this year. Oh, shouldn't absolutely. You know, I, 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 I still do have a problem with the RS. Hmm. I just do. Yeah, as a purist. And I, and I, but I think, and I think it's yeah, it probably is, and it's probably an age thing as well. Because I had a long talk in Canada with Nikki, uh, and Nikki just, you know, hmm. abominated. But then the, the point because is because it's this thing about you've got a car a second less than a second behind you, and his car is momentarily is not in the same spec no. as your but car and that should be I, I agree and actually what my idea was which I actually said to Charlie Whiting and a couple of others I think Lucas Degrassi actually came up with the idea last year and a couple of us agreed with him was instead of having this whole one second rule and all the rest of it mm -hmm. have a, a push to pass system like IndyCar have which is you have a DR, you have the same DRS system, yeah. but it's a fixed twenty times or thirty, whatever the number is in the For race. For a race, yeah. so you can then you, so then it's a less, mm. it's it's a bit less, um, you know, of a, of what you're talking about, yeah. where the purists are not very happy, and yeah. I, I tend to agree with you in some respect. Well, well, and the other thing too is it's 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 very strange to me that you are in practice qualifying in practice, you are trusted to mm. be able to use the mm. DRS. Mm. When you want, when you want, and you use your own judgment and your own skill and everything, mm. but not in the race. So you think, well, why have they got this? 
Once. Yeah, but if you use it in the race, then it's not promoting overtaking, is it? Because then it's just, then it's the same for everybody. It's just a defence. It, you can't. You know what I'm saying? If it's yeah, uniform. no. I mean, you, you could. I mean, I, I, yeah. the re, the reason you don't have it in the race, the, the reason it's there in the first yeah, place is yeah. promote overtaking. Yeah. So the only if you gave it to the car in front and the car behind, yeah. so then you're not going to overtake because you're doing mm. the same speed. No, you're no, 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 that's true. But yeah. if you, if yeah. you, um, the reason. That's why that's I think why you 20, have to have this zone. But that's why I think yeah. if you have a 20 push to pass thing, mm. yeah. Yeah. then a bloke in front can use it to pull away if he wants, yeah. but then it's taken one away from an opportunity he might what, have to yeah. pass. It's almost and like in the in the turbo era with the, you know, with the boost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, okay, you can put the boost up, but you're going to pay for it later. So that's what I'm saying. So I think yeah. if you had it like that, yeah. it, 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 it may have been a bit more of an acceptable yeah. and if balance a, even for the purists. Yeah. And if there's from, a way for, yeah, yeah. way for the TV audience to know how many times you've used it so they can yeah, say... Well, it's you, easy, isn't it? You, yeah. have, you, you have a countdown on the graphic. Yeah. You just count it yeah, down yeah, 20 sure. to 0 or, or 25, whatever the number yeah. is. Because mm. I think, I mean, Nicky, you know, Nicky mm. commentates and, and he said... It, he finds it endlessly frustrating that, that every year Formula One gets a little bit more complicated. Mm. And, and, and he said it, the more complicated it gets, the less pure it gets. And more to the point, the less easy to understand it becomes for people who well, are... Yeah, but you, you he, he said, you know, like on lap three, it comes up at the bottom of the screen, DRS enabled. Mm. Now, if you just like racing but don't know much mm. about it, what, that, you know, what the hell well, does I've that got, mean? I, I mean it's I've a, got it's a, a recommendation for you, actually. Mm. Um, if you watch the BBC Red Button, this is very well explained by our podcast podcast guest today. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because he's here, actually. Um, I think this is partly down to the quality of the people who are trying to read the race for you. I agree, Nigel. I, I mean, I'm with you. I don't like all these gizmos, but they're there. And it, it is quite demanding now watching the race, actually. Um, but you, But if it's properly explained, in in the right language and it's made exciting because of these gizmos i think it's it's well, right. look look at the reverse nigel yeah my my hairdresser for example exactly as a, as a fan exactly as you talked about mm -hmm. she came away from shanghai or from turkey or whatever whenever you know i, I can't remember which race because i went in there mm -hmm. and i said oh you know they're fans she and her husband yes. are fans yeah. so what do you think of the f1 oh it's fantastic this and uh, you know it's racing yes, really yes, yes, sure. and i said do you know what drs is no i don't no. does she care no she no, doesn't. no 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 so, no i understand that you know mm. from that point of view i understand that but it, it just sometimes seems to me as we, we're now at a point where we need a lot of technology mm. to counteract the technology we've, but then you, we've, you look we've back brought in over the years which has mm. made racing worse than it was. You look back though, for example the 1990s how many people knew about active suspension on a Williams versus oh, it's true. you know it's true. I think that was passive. I mean, it's true. You look back earlier how many people knew about what turbos they had or ground yes, effects yes. or floating skirts or, yeah. or well you look I think eight, late 80s we had four compounds didn't we? we had an mm. A, a B, a C and a D yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, how many people knew what compounds at all? I, I think today you have to understand this because the internet and because of television uh, and, and, and magazines and newspapers and everything, people have more access to more information. Sure. But therefore they get more confused. So I think it's I think it's wrong to compare eras in that way because you know, for example in Nikki's era there were complications. It's just that less people talked about it, whereas now DRS is a big thing. I think if we stop talking about it Actually, if we stop talking about it, would people wouldn't mm. acknowledge, and you just say, "Oh, it's a great race." Maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, what Nikki contends that what they've done with the tyres. I mean, mm. we've got Kurs, and what they've done with the tyres is 
in itself enough to transform mm. racing from last year. Possibly, yeah. Um, because in fact, I mean, the whole thing... Probably, actually, yes. The yeah. whole thing is sort of based on uh, what happened in Canada last year, and wasn't it? Tires. Abnormal tyre wear, yep. and suddenly, bang, you've got an exciting yeah. race. You could so, say... Yeah, um, he, he just said, you know, I think that would be enough. And we were talking about um, Istanbul, and I, I mean, we, I, I think Istanbul was too much. It, it was just yeah. the number of pit stops, the number of overtaking moves. But I think they've acknowledged that. I think yeah. I spoke to Paul Henry and I spoke to Charlie, and I think everybody, yeah, they're going to get it wrong, aren't they? It's trial and error. Yes, yes, yeah. it's, it's, sure. I think we have to give Charlie and we have to give Pirelli and stuff a bit of leeway in the first half of the year. Yeah, I thought China, you know, they did a great job. Charlie did a great job of getting his own right. Uh, Barcelona, I thought again. You, I mean, we had overtaken Barcelona. When you've ever seen that? I never. <laughs> no, no, no. And well, I thought, again, Charlie did well Mansell, to get the Mansell and Senna, that, the famous yeah. shot, that one afternoon, that was, that was it. So that was the inaugural race. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it always uh, amazes me how much uh, comes down on Charlie's head. I mean, yeah. he is responsible for so much. In yeah. I tell you, I've yeah. discovered more because this year with the, the Indian circuit, you know, so mm. where my dad obviously interacts with him uh, almost on a daily basis. Uh, it's amazing how much work <laughs> that mm, man no, has. It uh, is, and, mm. yeah. you know, and it's very yeah. easy for people to criticise him. And, and but I think I, I really get on very well with him. I think he does a he, he does a great job for Formula One in general. Yeah. yeah. Our drivers listen to these days. You were saying about you know pitching yeah. Charlie the idea. Yeah. yeah. No. Again, in the drivers' meetings and and in the GPDA and stuff, I think it. Uh, you know, there's it's not easy. You know, I think, but. People are more inclined to listen to drivers. I think it's 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 difficult. It's funny. I was watching the Senna movie recently. I don't mm-hmm. know if any of you have seen mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look back to how vocal Ayrton was, or, or drivers from that era were. And I think, you know, they they had enormous presence and they had enormous power within Formula One. They yes. had huge power to influence yeah. the teams and and even rules and and yeah. things within Formula One, which we don't maybe today um, but I think the GPDA still is an important organization and I think it's you know uh, people like you know Barrichello at the moment the president and, and Mark sure. and stuff sure. Fernando uh, I think Sebastian actually people don't maybe appreciate this but I think he's a very good world champion and I think Jensen as well the, I think Fernando Jensen uh, Mark Sebastian I think these are great top drivers for Formula One because yeah. they really they put ideas out there and they really embrace Formula One and they, they say, right. I mean, Sebastian say, right, I'll go speak to Bernie. Come on, I'll get off my back. Yeah. So I'll go yeah. do it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a really mm. good yeah. character for a yeah. world champion to yeah. have. Um, we're running out of time, Karen, but uh, we have some of your fans have uh, been on Twitter. And uh, Andy would like to know, will you be replacing Jano Trulli anytime soon? I think uh, he can maybe send Nigel a message because Nigel is going to call uh, Mr. E and Tony, was it, you said before? So, yeah, you can send an email to Nigel Rubo on that one later on. He'll have an answer. Certainly New Delhi, for you sure. Could, as, well, as, as well as a with, racing yeah. driver and a broadcaster, you could have been a diplomat. Um, talent but no cash. I guess that's a Twitter thing. When can we see you on the grid in a Lotus? Same answer, unfortunately. I mean, it's it's a bit, you know, it's a bit um, um, ab- abnormal, shall we say, if, um, to have a race driver take a step back. It's not a lot of us who go from no, racing no. back to testing and then trying to get back. So there's a few of us this year. I think it's because F1 is very young at the moment. You look at, yeah. there's not that many of the yeah. old guard who you can see changing. Sure. There's a few, obviously, but... Um, 
We just have to wait and see. We'll wait and see. Okay. Uh, Sooks24 wants to know what team, Karun, would you like to drive for in the future most of all? Um, I always say that I think for a driver to have a complete career, um, you'd want to drive for McLaren, Ferrari and Williams. I think that's the big three. Um, you know, if you've done that, then you've done very well in life. Mm. Um, and I think, I can only think of one, is it just Prost? Prost is the only that one. That is I it, think. isn't it? Yeah. That's the yeah, only one I, I can think, think so. of. And yeah. he drove for... Oh, actually, no, no, Mansell. If you count those two. No, it's very, very important we <laughs> yeah. include. Very yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was momentary. <laughs> yeah, very important we do not Should we say if you won races for those three? Shall we count that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <you're> right. <laughs> okay, we'll pause yeah, while the true. tennis players go over. And are we audible? Here we are. Okay, yeah. okay lots of helicopter action here. Finally... Uh, this question comes from MP425F1. Slight McLaren uh, link there. How do you think, uh, Karun, a, a driver like you or like Bruno Senna would get on if you were dropped into a top team right now? Um, it's hard to tell. I, th I, I think I'd be lying to say that we would um, straight away be as quick as anyone else. Uh, I think that's, you'd be arrogant and wrong to say that. Um, you know, at this, um, I mean, at this minute, at this day, say for Silverstone, I think if, you, uh, but uh, you know, I think if you get, if you get the opportunity to do a proper test program and you, yeah. you get the winter to prepare and you, you know, you do all the winter tests and the preseason tests and this, you know, do the simulator days and get prepared. I'd like to believe that we can be as competitive as anybody else, really, um, given the opportunity. Mm. Um, but I think people. People are quick to judge in Formula One, and you, you often forget someone like Lewis did 9,000 kilometers or something. You look at what Heike did at yeah. Renault, all the miles of testing. You yeah, look at, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think you, know, you take someone like Nico Hulkenberg um, last year, or, or any of us as rookies last year. I think somebody, um, one of the journalists, I think, at Autosport or something, said to me that they worked out that mileage Hulkenberg had done at Budapest only then equal what Lewis had done before his first Grand Prix in 2007. Mm. So yes. it's yeah, sort of, yeah. and, that, and then you look at yeah, the second half true. last year, Nico was as quick as, as Rubens. <coughs> yeah, yeah. And you think, well, if he had the same preparation, <laughs> yeah. you know, so mm. I think it's, it, it's, I always say to people when they say, you know, this and that about F1 and you compare people, I always say, you know, you're racing against your circumstances because every driver's circumstances are different. Sure. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not ever competing directly <coughs> against anyone else apart from your teammate, possibly. No. Um, but even that is, are you a number one driver, number two? Do you have the same okay. bits on the car? Do you have the same spec parts sure. on the car? Mm -hmm. But you know, most times that's okay. But apart from that, you're always racing against your circumstances. Mm -hmm. It's not pure. Um, right. This is the last bit from me, and Nigel and Damien may will finish finish up but I wonder you, you mentioned earlier on how hard you'd work to get where you are how much pain you'd gone through that was the word you used at what point do you decide to quit I don't think you ever quit do you I mean you the problem with motorsport is it's where you know it's it's in our blood and you just sucks you in like some form of virus <laughs> and you can't ever get out um, I don't think I'll I'll ever quit the sport because this is what I love doing I mean on my again I'm a bit weird and Bruno Senna texts me sends me text messages all the time calling me a weirdo <laughs> <laughs> even, even last month he sent me a text saying what are you doing 
I said I'm on the grass bank at Snetterton in the drizzling <laughs> rain watching Formula 3 race, freezing. Uh, and <laughs> he, of course, was on the beach in Monte Carlo. But, so I, I am a bit weird. <laughs> but well, that's, yeah. that, that's what I love doing. You know, I, on my days off, and I say to people, what do you do on your days off, on your weekend off, you go see your friends? Most of my friends happen to be in motorsport. So where do I go see them? At a race circuit. Yeah. That's where they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, there's, yeah, I sure. mean, there's obviously a future for you in motor racing, no question about it. I mean, you know, look at all the jobs you can already do apart from drive the Formula One car. So you'll be there for yeah, a long I mean, I think coming from a country like India helps. You know, from a very young age, uh, you know, I, I always had commercial sponsors and therefore I was always, you know, pushed to do media days and interact with, with the you know fans and public and things like that. So from a very young age, I've been, uh, you know, almost brought up by my, my wife parents a lot with the belief that yes you're a racing driver but you have to be an ambassador for the sport you have to go out there and promote the sport you have to go out there and educate people about the sport uh, and I think it's it's something that I feel very imp- you know that it's a very important thing to do yeah. but with you I mean, was it always Formula One yeah exclusively or I mean yeah. or, or do you ever do I don't know about a, dr- a driver at your stage of career how much do you allow yourself to think in terms of, well, I hope it works, but if it doesn't, you have then to look I'd around. But yeah, I'd maybe look at, at, at an indie car or you have to look all the time. Car. But you know, I, I believe that that in the that in the short to medium term, I have enough options to stay in Formula yeah. One, and I I believe this is where I will be. I always say there's the big six races that I again, like I've talked about, the big three teams to fulfil your career. I would add Penske to that as well as a career big picture. Yep. But, um, you know, as a big six races, I always say there's the Monaco Grand Prix, there's Le Mans, Indianapolis 500, Daytona, Bathurst, and the Macau Grand Prix. Mm, that's pretty <laughs> good. That's the big six. That's a very Catholic, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, but but by, the, order. by the end of my life, I'd like to have done all, all of, them. of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've spoken to Barry Bland. He says he will give me an entry to Macau again, <laughs> even though he doesn't normally allow non-F3 drivers. So Barry says he lets me come back. Barry's a great race, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. Okay, Damien, finish us well, up. I was going to say, uh, uh, add another one to that list. So at the weekend, I went to Nurburgring in 24 hours, which I hadn't seen before, and that is one hell of a race. It's, um, yeah, it's not a classic, though. You know, no, it's not, but, but the it's chance it's to experience that circuit. No, no. I mean, I've driven the Notch Life, and I think yeah. anyone who raced there yeah, is just yeah, barking yeah. mad. But t- two hundred, <laughs> it is extraordinary. Though, it's extraordinary. It? Yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah. I can't wait to go back. To the, I mean, Nurburgring is the only race hmm. where I book a flight on Wednesday morning so I can drive the Notch Life on Wednesday afternoon. Two hundred and two starters this year. I believe. So. No, I was invited to do it, but it clashed hmm. with the Valencia race. Right. So I, I had two or three teams called me to say, come and do it for a bit of fun. You, you'd love it. One day. I'd love one day, yeah, no, yeah. Do you reckon that you could learn the Nordschleife in between five and eight laps or not? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, okay. I've done I've done about eight or ten laps, and I still can. You can pick up bits of it. You remember, but <laughs> it's stringing them together. It's them together. Yeah. I, I always remember the carousels coming up. So that that's yeah. good. Because you got to really commit to that one. I think. Those were the days, Karun. Those were the days. <laughs> anyway, you've been an absolutely wonderful guest. Thank you so much been a really fascinating hour uh, just to, to remind you of the uh, latest subscription offer uh, with the help of the helicopter it is uh, 15 issues for the price of 12 uh, and uh, this means that in the UK 15 issues will cost you 46 pounds in the USA $75 and everywhere else in the world 
£64. And in case you didn't hear it the first time, due to the, ac due to the action in the air, that's 15 issues for the price of 12 motorsport magazines. Go out, do it, join us. I hope you subscribe, do you? I buy it off the shelf. You buy it off the shelf. I don't know where I am in the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great note to end on. Karen Chandok, thank you so much. And uh, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Nigel Roebuck and Damien Smith. And we'll see you very soon. Bye-bye. Motorsport Magazine, for the very best in motor racing. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.